Hello there. So we're now one week away from the release of The Batman, and as we still count down to that release, I'm going to now start reviewing the uh, Batman movies that I haven't reviewed before uh, on on this uh, podcast. So I have previously re- reviewed the 1989 Batman film, the very first proper big screen blockbuster of a Batman, uh, directed by Tim Burton, starring Michael Keaton. So uh, now, chronologically, I'm now going to follow it with its sequel, Batman Returns. It's going to make you feel old if you can remember this. This film came out 30 years ago. This film will turn 30 years ago this summer. So there you go. Uh, just uh, incredible when you think about it. And this film, if you look at it visually, has not aged a day. It does not look like it came out 30 years ago. In fact, it looks more up to date than some films that come out nowadays. So there you go. So there's that. So uh, there will be some spoilers in this. So uh, if you haven't seen Batman Returns in, just be aware there are spoilers. There will be some spoilers in this review. So one thing that's uh, always striking straight away about this film is that it is even darker than the original, the, the first film in that from 1989. There is, even like in the first few minutes, you've got the scene where the, the Penguin's parents get rid of the, get, get basically try and murder their baby basically by throwing throwing him in a, in the river <laughs> think how much darker than that is actually that's pretty dark stuff here and that's one of the things Tim Burton was basically giving carte, carte blanche to do what he wants with this film essentially because he was a bit unsure about coming back to do another comic book film but they were so desperate to get him back just because of the great success of the first film they were just like oh no no we'll, we won't interfere we'll let you do what you want and in many ways it works well but in some ways, it had backfired a little bit on them. We'll get into that a bit later. But, of course, um, the Penguin was played by Danny DeVito. Perfect casting for this. He'd done a great job with this character. There was, early on, he does a great... What shows a great performance in this is that he does some... He manages to elicit sympathy for a ghastly character that does ghastly things. It's not just the way he looks or anything. Of course, he looks grotesque and everything, but... To begin with, you, there is a lot of sympathy for this character, and there are moments where you do feel sympathy for him. But then again, he does some horrendous things, and then there's times where you're absolutely horrified by him. Like speaking about stuff to do with children, part of his plot later on involves like kidnapping children, taking them down to the sewers. It's like this is dark stuff again, which kind of does backfire on this film because the only problem with letting Tim Burton do go three reign with whatever he do to whatever he wants to do is he's got a wild imagination and sometimes it can, it can go to dark places and that could be off-putting to audiences and it can and it this film occasionally gets a bit too weird for its own good which is kind of a, a flaw here and even though i like this film i but i will say this the, the 1989 film to me is superior in almost every way but I do like this film quite a bit. What it does, it it suffers with as well a lack of exciting action scenes. There's not a great deal of action in it. But however, the first action scene, the early scene when the, like the circus gang attacks the Gotham and then Batman comes out, beats them up and all that, that's actually a really good action scene. But there's not that many action scenes in this film. To be fair, there's a, a a nice one later on in the sewers with Batman with a Batwing thing going through it. That's pretty cool, but there's actually not a great deal of fantastic action. Burton's not really known for his action directing. Although, to be fair, later on in his career, he's actually done some pretty impressive action scenes in the likes of Alice in Wonderland and things like that, so he can do it. So, 
anyway, I digress. But of course, the other main uh, main iconic character here is Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman. She's fantastic. To many people, she is the quintessential Catwoman, and I can see why people would think that. The, uh, the other thing you've got earlier on is uh, Selena Kyle, like the dowdy little secretary when she's meant to be all down, dressed down and things like that. You still can't hide how hot she is. Come on. You know, and she's still hot to this day, and she's 63. So there you go. I'm just putting it out there. Still would, ladies and gentlemen. Still fucking would. Just saying. But, you know, uh, even then, but she plays that part, the ditzy secretary, incredibly well. It's a really great balance performance. She actually hits the balance so well. She's really good and and convincing in the clumsy secretary part and then of course when she becomes this what for lack of a better term completely horny vixen i mean let's be honest Catwoman in this film is horny let's be real you might not notice it so much if you're watching this film as a kid but now as an adult you're certain scenes like she's like giving herself a bath in penguins house and then uh bits went the way she like lie like it's kneels over batman you're just like oh, okay <laughs> you don't really notice that as a kid but now you're sort of like yeah okay let's see where this is going but, uh but um no she she was great absolute charisma off the charts and things like that her first introduction like when she beats up that thug the the, the guy's a bit uh attacking this woman then she just comes in and does the tic-tac-toe on his face and all that that's another thing i should point out this film is quite exceeding even though it's not got a lot of like great big action scenes it's exceptionally violent in places like more bloody than the original film the the previous film like the which does the tic-tac-toe on his face you blood spurting off and then of course penguin bites the guy's nose off as well it's like there are some uh, there are some pretty gory moments in this now Apparently, they did after originally Tim Burton was given lots sort of carte blanche to do what he wants. Warner's did step in apparently near the, towards the end because they needed him to cut some stuff so they could get the PG thirteen rating. So if this is what was left in, God knows what was in the R rating. I'll tell you, but um, yeah. So the. And of course, Michael Keaton again is back as Batman. This was his last appearance up until this year when he comes back for The Flash. So, you know, 30 years apart, it's almost got a nice round symmetry to it. Number, I'd say that's quite good. So he's great again. No, he's really good. Him and Michelle Pfeiffer's chemistry really works well, both as Batman and Catwoman and Bruce Wayne and Celia Kyle. So they work really well together. Um, yes, there's some grotesque imagery as well. All this, all this circus stuff as well. I think it would freak out a lot of little kids as well. That's one of the things. And even some adults as well. All adults have a problems with clowns and things, so it could be maybe this film was a bit too weird for its own good. And when it came out in 1992, apparently it broke the opening weekend box office at the US, uh, riding the crest of the wave of the success of the first film. But its box office fell away quite quickly. It was still a big hit, still made a lot of money, but it fell significantly short of the first film. And after the huge opening, it didn't quite it didn't have the legs of that so maybe word got round about how weird it was and and maybe parents didn't with it being pg-13 things parents didn't want to take their kids if they heard about certain things and there was also controversy because there was meant to be mcdonald's happy meals toys with this but mcdonald's seeing a rough cut of this film and they were unhappy they didn't want to market something that was so dark towards children and you know I don't know if they actually ever did bring the toys out, I don't, or 
if they actually cancelled the deal. I'm not entirely sure what happened, or if they brought them out and then cancelled it because of backlash. Not entirely sure what happened there, or if they just cancelled it before it came out. Not entirely sure. I've read things about how someone from McDonald's seen a rough cut, and they were like, hey, what's all that black stuff coming out the penguin's mouth? <laughs> but, uh, well, there you go. C'est la vie. C'est la vie. But, you know, there's a lot to enjoy about this. I think the music, the one thing that is actually better than the first film is actually the soundtrack. The score is actually even better than the first time. And Danny Elfman, again, back on board here, does a great job with this. And there's some great themes in this, like this scene where Catwoman's going crazy and, oh, sorry, Selena's going crazy, is about to become Catwoman in her apartment. Great, the music's great here. Especially the music's great at the start as well with the... Um, when the penguin gets chucked in the river and also as well the, uh, towards the end you know when the, the penguin's death scene you've got all the little penguins marching down see that's when he's done some grotesque thing but that's weirdly touching and weirdly sad in a way it's uh, and i think it's the music that almost manipulates that to make it sad like that the the, the score here is fantastic so another great theme here from danny elfman so there you go uh, so, um, a couple other things there's, there's some ludicrousness as well it's, it's like the penguin was basically brought up by penguins in the sewer so he, there you go so he, it's almost quite literally takes it, Tim Burton takes it with these characters and like Catwoman's brought back to life by cats after literally brought back to after getting shoved at a, a high story window Right. Forgot to mention as well, you've got Max Shrek in here, played by Christopher Walken, who is a completely new character, not nothing from the comics at all. You've never seen him in anything else since then, as far as I'm aware. Not in any, uh, so it's certainly never been in any films or anything like that since then. So that's another thing. Tim Burton really wasn't one for following the comic book conventions. He was just like, yeah, I'll do what I want, basically. <laughs> Which, if you did it now with the the internet being in full cry, it's like, oh, you, you'll get all the fanboys going, yeah, you can listen to us. <laughs> that would probably happen without any shadow of a doubt. All the YouTubers would be whining about it. I seen one YouTuber whining about them not being like faithful to Peacemaker for that series now I've not seen the series yet because it's not came out in the UK but I'm thinking to myself who the who the fuck knew, knew who Peacemaker was before they actually brought him out in this film or on, or on this TV show not very many so stop complaining if anything it might actually make people go back and actually look up Peacemaker so anyway I digress nerds are going to be nerds so what can I say but yeah overall Though uh, I do like Batman Returns, it's not as good as the previous one. However, it's very good. It's a bit too dark for its own good, but it's fun. It was fun going by rewatching it. I had a lot of fun with it. Uh, but because of the darkness on this, and because of the reduced box office, they went in another direction. This would be the last time Tim Burton played direct. Sorry, directed Batman. Be the last time Keaton played Batman for thirty years now. And we come next to Batman Forever, which I'll be reviewing over the weekend. So, and it's a complete tonal shift. So we'll, we'll go into that uh, in due course. So anyway, thanks ever so much for taking the time to listen and goodbye.